With traffic, errands, and parking, cars can be a chore. But a great car can be an adventure, a getaway, and a prized possession. Whatever your budget or family require, there's a car out there you'll love. We're here to help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Finally, the world can watch you obsess and wash a car. Watching it, myself in the edit, I'm like, who is this obsessive freak? What, what are you doing? Oh, it's me. Oh, wait. And then, and then I get to comment, which, which, which – honestly, here's the funny thing. When you shot that video, there was no thinking in our mind that I was going to pop up in a little window no. with things to say. And then in no. the post-production process – it just came up as a funny thing. In fact, it wasn't even my idea. It was your idea. Well, you were watching the edit and making snarky comments, and I as thought, as I am prone to do, why don't we just put it in the video? So you, so, you yeah. know, this little talking head in the corner. It makes it a totally different watch video, but it is funny to watch Paul. I mean, we've joked about the certified Paul owned process, watching him actually wash his car. And, and look, I will say, I don't acknowledge it in the video, but I will say that a lot of the techniques that I do use, I learned from Paul. Of course, now I've moved on to a foam cannon because let's be honest, I'm lazy I'll and those are awesome. foam cannon. I just foam everything. cannon and I'm done. It's like, thank God. Dog that's walks finished. by, foam cannon. Exactly. You're dirty, blam. <laughs> but done. Excellent. Go, go run that off. That's right. So yeah, but uh, there are actually some things to learn there. There's also some things to marvel at as you wash your car. I so heard that's mock, on, that's but on you know, YouTube that's now. okay. Yeah. It's it, okay. It, they start the same, yeah. <laughs> well, guys, welcome back to the podcast. We're happy to have you join us. Really appreciate it. We've got a couple of great debates. First from Adam in Saskatchewan, Canada, who says, nostalgia is a slippery slope, everyone. More of a PSA than anything. Connected to project cars, yeah. Uh-huh. We've also got Nick F. in Central Virginia, whose wife loves the Honda Fit. And as you may or may not know, the Fit has been discontinued mm-hmm. for the U.S., moving forward past 2021. So he yep. says he's got a dilemma on his hands because his wife wants another one. So we will discuss new cars, maybe used cars for her. But That'll be uh, good. Yeah, for sure. We've got season seven, episode three, new episode three, which we're calling Workhorse, Workhorse Cars. And yep. these are the cars that when we started the show, we sort of looked at each other and agreed, we're never going to drive Camrys and Accords, right? We're only going to drive the fun stuff, and we're only going to review cool cars, right? But now we do this podcast where we cover everything, <laughs> circled back to us in Denver with a Toyota Camry, it happens to be the TRD, a Honda Accord, a Hyundai Sonata, and a Mazda 6. Those four midsize sedans together in downtown Denver being driven in downtown style and talking about the fact that, you know what, there's still some life left in the sedan, in spite of the fact that apparently all we're buying is CUVs and SUVs, <laughs> right, right. there are sedans too. Well, that is 7.30 a.m. Eastern Time, 4.30 a.m. Pacific on Saturday, August 8th, 2020. So set your DVRs. Mm-hmm. We appreciate you watching. And a huge thanks to our TV sponsors, Haggerty, Griot's Garage, Covercraft, and Auto Tempest. Yeah. And we're really thrilled and proud to be a part of those companies sure. and uh, have them support the TV show because we couldn't do it without them. So support those companies, and those are the companies we do have good relationships and close relationships and, with. And we do have discounts almost across the board on almost every one of those companies. The code EVERYDAY works for both Covercraft and Griots. There are EVERYDAY specific logins for Haggerty. You can listen to those in the ads that will help you as well. There's stuff across the board. Uh, some of those sponsors, I can't really tell you yet, but some of those sponsors are going to assist us do, doing other things. I mean, they help the podcast and the TV show, but we're even having conversations about getting some new stuff on YouTube, some series stuff that relates with their their help. So they're helping us like crazy. And you guys, they know you guys are listening and watching and purchasing and they really appreciate it. So do we. Yep, absolutely. It's something every season of TV, when we're looking at the lineup and trying to decide episodes, Mm -hmm. we really try to stick to the core brand of cars that people buy and want to drive and want to know our opinions on. Mm -hmm. 
And so we compare them throughout, but we try to do something that sticks to the brand and an adventure episode and maybe something that is a little bit more exotic and try to really balance those out. So that's what this workhorse Mm -hmm. episode represents. And I'm proud of it. I'm really thrilled that we got to drive them and did drive them because sedans have gotten better as they should. I mean, I know people aren't buying them quite as much, but they're still selling in volume. Well, let's just look at our first three episodes. The first one was Daily Fun, which was the 86 and the Veloster N, two cars we love. We did the, can you take essentially a epic road trip in these and can you mm-hmm. make them your only life car? That was one range. The next thing found us racing, mm-hmm. which is not something yeah. we normally do. And now we're commuting in a downtown area. That's three very different things to do in a car. We're excited about all of those. Also, I am just finishing up episode five. It is shipping out pronto. Only is a couple weeks away. That is... Two generations of the Corvette, the C7 and the C8 we're all talking about. We finally Can't got wait. in the mid-engine. It is a very fun episode. It is a little bit of a fast episode. <laughs> we go a little quickly. Yeah, It's going to be fun. We're moving. Hey, a quick note about BlipShift.com. We have transferred most of our T-shirts to BlipShift, mm-hmm. our friends there. So if you go to BlipShift.com, it's slash collection slash everyday driver, and you can find Stuttgart and Cheap Phaetons in American Original Shirt and yeah. a shirt called Happiness Ahead from, gosh, when the – show first started yeah we we kind of made that as a joke and now yeah. it's come back around works in fact i need to buy one because i don't have one right now so i need to buy one of those daily triple is still on there it's been on there a while i really like the updated american original shirt which now has the c8 on it as well yes. positioned in such a way yes. as to show you there's something a little different going on here that's a fun shirt we're longtime users and big believers in griot's garage car care products That's because while many other brands are just rebranded versions of the same few products, Griot's Garage has developed, manufactured, and bottled bespoke car care products since 1990. Griot's is a family company based in Washington State, still dedicated to having the best products for every car and budget. In fact, I learned all my certified Paul-owned car care styles from Griot's. And now you can tune up your car care routine. What you need is a foam cannon. Create a high foam blizzard right in your driveway. Foaming requires little to no work and avoids wash-induced scratches. It's the safest way and super fast and cool to wash your car. Try the Griot's Garage Foaming System Complete Kit today and see what foaming is all about. I'll tell you right now, it's made cleaning faster. Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed and all liquid products are made in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code EVERYDAY for 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else on your order. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. We just recently had a car that we drove that was part of the Lexus lineup. We did. That is representative of the reason the GS is going away. So they've put more effort, and that is the 300H Lexus Hybrid. So it's the... 2020 Lexus 300H, and we drove it, and it's a nice place to ride, I'll say. It's a nice place as a passenger. It's the ES, right? It is the ES 300H, yes. Yeah, and uh, and we drove it, actually, we had a a, a business lunch, and we had to go down to Salt Lake and come back, and we were driving it together, and, and we were about halfway back up, and he looked at me, and he said, you know what? This is a nice place to sit. It is. It's a nice place to sit and not drive. Exactly, because it does have uh, CVT madness. It has a sporty mode that, honestly, I have. If you want to see schizophrenic tachometer, this car in sport mode. You hit the gas, and the tack goes down and back up, and you watch it just bounce. You watch the needle, and it's a digital needle too. That's it's right. just bouncing, yeah, it's trying to find what the engine is doing. 
It is not a driver's car. Although I will say I surprised everybody because I'll do a brake stand at the light and I'll just leave everybody when the light turns green because at first it thinks, all right, full electric motor. And then the gas engine kicks in at the speed where it can get torque out of the engine. Mm-hmm. And you're gone. Everybody flies backwards. You're, you're not ready for me in the ES300H. Well, but here's the thing that if the audience doesn't realize this now, they need to know. And that is that Paul has Almost, there's almost no chance that Paul is going to leave the light in a blur of tire smoke unless the car is something you shouldn't do that in. Yeah, it's kind of like sports the polar cars, opposite. exactly. Yeah. Sports cars and big rear wheel drive stuff and super high horsepower stuff. He will ease his way from the light in public. Right. But the hybrid family sedan or the random SUV that we rented and put gear into. Some tires are going to melt. Well, it's my favorite thing because it's the last thing people are expecting. You're right. You're the, right. The minivan, the back end of the minivan just drives away from you. Vanishes, yes. And the Lexus ES300, oh, a hybrid, a fuel safe. What? It's gone? Well, it's because of, you know, I'm catching people on their reaction time. And I'm, you know, most people just ease away from a light. I'm not saying it's the fastest thing ever. I'm not saying it's fast at all. But No one at Lexus. In the testing process, ever took that car out and did a brake stand at the light ah. with their hybrid CVT to just see what it would do? I guarantee you that was not part of the testing process. So the takeaway is if you have a Lexus hybrid, brake stand your way everywhere, and that's how to get the most fun out of it. The takeaway is that this ES is uh, a perfectly nice place to be and not interesting at all to drive. So uh, there we did. We drove it. It's, it's yet another Lexus product. We have uh, lots of really cool fast blasts coming up. We've got some YouTube changes coming. But the big takeaway is the fact that we have a ton of content coming, both the straight-up test drives of all of these cars and also the things that are more our comparisons and our personal cars and updates and old TV episodes. There's a lot of stuff coming to YouTube. Over and above the fact, in case you haven't noticed, TV is going on, and we're planning Season 8. DriveShare is the coolest online car sharing platform around. It's simple. By connecting car owners with renters, DriveShare unlocks the joy of driving. Renters can find special cars that they can't believe they can drive that bring the awesome out of every moment. And owners can earn extra cash to fund their passion to have the cars in the first place. To sign up, cruise over to DriveShare.com or download the app on Apple, iOS, or Android. That's DriveShare.com. Adam writes to us from Saskatchewan, Canada. And he says he's written in before, and I think I've found your emails, Adam. I'm sorry we couldn't get to them then, but here we are at this email. He found the podcast a couple of years ago, and he listens on his 260-kilometer daily commute to work. I saw that. You drive a lot. Yeah, quite a bit's happening there. Mm-hmm. So he is a member of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police in Saskatchewan. He has been for 16 years, and... He wrote to us with a conclusion a while back Mm -hmm. when he purchased a 96 Honda Del Sol (laughs) with an engine swap. Okay. Gives the engine code. And he says nostalgia hit him hard as he owned a 97 Del Sol, which he bought the year after he finished high school. And he was just thrilled to have his old Targa VTEC Screamer back in the garage. (laughs) The, the problem here is that, that life has moved on. Adam has driven other things Cars since then. Cars have moved yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. He's driven other things since then. And so you have – this is the problem with nostalgia is, <laughs> is you have a car that you imagine – this is – look, I'll be really honest for a second. I, part of me would like to have another Nissan Z, uh, Z32, the 300ZX sure. from the early sure. 90s. Another part of me – kind of feels like I wouldn't like that car now really, really? as much. I, yeah. I kind of wonder because we've driven a lot of things and I have owned a lot of things since owning that. Granted, I had an automatic naturally aspirated. The twin sure. turbos are the way to go. But still, the point is Adam thought, oh my gosh, I've got this car back. And then he started driving it a lot and went, this isn't really that 
good anymore. The memories is it? were fond and yeah. should have been left as memories. Mm-hmm. Are you telling me I wouldn't like a nine twenty eight again? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Uh, but see, you have enough Porsche love. I think you'd probably be okay. You'd overcome that. Yeah. Well, Adam says driving dynamics on an incredibly low eight thousand RPM screamer with front wheel drive was not what he remembered. <laughs> <clears throat> This was also an out-of-province purchase, and it required okay. a safety to register it properly. Mm-hmm. He says 24-year-old Hondas that had been tinkered with, and he <laughs> refers to archaeology again. Well done. Thank you, sir. He says they don't safety well. They don't inspect well. <laughs> I, I, I could see <laughs> the inspector there with the clipboard or the pen going, what's this? And Adam going, I don't know. <laughs> but he did make most of his money back when he sold it, so it left, left his life. And he's happy it left his life. That's the thing that's funny. <laughs> Nostalgia causes him to buy it. Reality causes him to sell it, and he's happier in the grand scheme. And, and here's the thing, Adam. I suspect you still have fond memories of the car originally. It's just if, you, yeah, you, can't you, can you can't go back. You can't go back. The current experience and mm-hmm. just sort of like bury that under the corner of the rug and then just continue to remember your yeah, fond yeah. days with that Del Sol. I haven't said that. I thought of that car in years. Now. He's recently unloaded some property that was tying up cash, Okay, which means I get to spend it. Oh, there you go. Well, his wife has given him permission to put another car in the garage just for him. And he says the minister of finance, also known as his lovely wife, Sarah. Hello, Sarah. (laughs) Has corrected his. Do you know you've been referred to as the minister of finance? Are you aware? Has this happened before? Because this. Hello. I hope we aren't starting a fight. But yeah. Well, she corrected his initial thinking. He would would have a $50,000 something. A rocket ship. Yeah. yeah. Power. Money's going to happen. Yeah. She said, let's let's. Correct that to twenty thousand Canadian, mm-hmm. which at today's exchange rate is about fifteen thousand dollars U.S. Okay. okay, so he says he tends to go along with a Paul budget. See, I, I'm telling you, people will be like, no, 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 I can't spend very much money. Yeah, he, double the budget. He knows he's going to go above that twenty thousand. By the way, Minister of Finance, you're going to get a memo that says, "Excuse me, but I've gone above the budget." I'm just yeah. letting you know. What's this on the credit card statement? You, mm-hmm. you put a down payment on what now? Now, he believes it's better to beg for forgiveness than ask for permission and has been shopping up to $25,000 Canadian. He fancies himself a savvy negotiator. That statement is along the lines of, I'm a good driver. I'm a good negotiator. Who's going to tell you they're terrible at negotiating? No one. (laughs) Did you buy the car? Probably didn't get a good deal. Right. That is how that happened. This car needs to be fun. He would like to seek fun roads with it, but they're difficult to find in the prairies where he lives. He says locally there's no autocross club and no racetrack. You have to do this. But he does love good handling. Outright power is not the absolute top of his list. But after the Del Sol, I I think you need a little bit more. Yes, but, but but the thing that drew him to the Del Sol originally... And the second time, besides and the name and the, the car now, rear view is, window, he is excited about small and agile and handling. That is interesting. Indeed. And so we're not we're not shopping muscle cars here because he does want that handling connection, which is interesting. In spite of the fact you don't feel like you have great roads for it, that's still your preference. I think that's that's great. Adam wants a rear wheel drive. He would prefer manual, two seat or two plus two only, no four doors. He says I've got other cars for that. And he currently drives a Jetta TDI to eat the miles for this long commute. Mm-hmm. And the Minister of Finance drives a Volkswagen Atlas for the kid and dog hauling duties. Can you please get the flags on the corners? Oh, you know, the corners great. of the hood. That's just, great. Just put the little Canadian flags there. And she drives the Atlas around. And loudspeaker. It doesn't matter. You don't even need the music. But now we're going dictator. Let's not go that far. <laughs> we, just put, we just put the flags on the corners so when the Minister of Finance drives around, people go, wonder who's in that Atlas. Somebody important. Clearly. She's the Minister of Finance. That's who's of course, who it is. Of course. Well, he says they get hard winners, and some good deals can be had when people face the possibility of storing their car for yep. another winter. Yep, that That's is key. right when you swoop. Yep, for sure. 
All right. So we started his drive homework. He has dutifully driven a BRZ. Good job. <laughs> you knew you, you couldn't say that without, you know, somebody, your, your email probably, probably this person currently talking would have brought up the 86. Uh-huh. So you went ahead and did an in run on that and said, great handling, underwhelmed by the power, which pretty much should be the tagline of the advertisements for that car. I need a tattoo of that somewhere yeah, on my really, body. Yeah, you do want that for sure. Yeah. Well, Adam tends to lean towards imports, but he's open to any idea. But he wants to just be able to jump in and drive. So no project okay, cars, great. no questionable reliability. Although for something at that price point, and we're talking fun sports car, you are going to have to maintain it. You there's, might have to learn to do some things to it. Well, there's also probably going to be stuff that it needs right away. I wouldn't be surprised. Be. You buy something at that price point. I wouldn't be surprised if in the first, like right away or certainly within the first year, you're doing brakes and tires at least. He's been looking at the 370Z, brought up okay. some cars. He's looked at the Mustang EcoBoost, the Camaro RS1LE. Okay. C5 Vets are on his list. E92 BMW 335s. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Makes me think of that 335IS. Yeah, I wonder what I wonder if those are in Canada for that price because mm. that would be a fine. Those are like 20 grand here. They're not very expensive here. Anyway, go mm. on. I mean, Adam, can you Well, I don't know how tough it is to Come down to the States and then buy a car and drive it back. I don't know the ramifications. You might not be able to just from a hassle perspective. He says Miata seems like an option, but he's six foot two and all body. So your stumpy little legs and just, you know, four feet of torso kind of. <laughs> he has my problem, essentially. We're dragging knuckles around. Anyway, yeah. He says the Honda S2000 would be in his list, but he says, you know, they're not really plentiful in the used car market and prices can be wildly inconsistent. So knowing all this, knowing what you're wanting, and with the approval of the finance minister to save some money okay. for you, Adam, there's a car that I can't stop thinking about for you. Okay, good. And again, with the reliability, you might go, eh, I'm not sure, but if you, any car is going to be unreliable if you ignore it. Sure. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Any car. Yeah. So you're going to have to keep up on this. And by saving you some money... Okay. That theoretically would offer up some leftover budget. This is leftover money. You're, you're dealing in leftover money? Okay, leftover I'm, money I'm still listening. I'm still listening. To be able to put some money into it for tires or, you know, it it's a great deal, but it's going to need blank right away that's mm-hmm. like two grand or Probably pretty likely, something. Yeah. But after that, once you do that thing, then that would ease your mind. That would make it in okay. the, you know, okay. up the reliability list for you. So I thought a unique car, this might be tough to find, but you named all this, you know, the usual suspects here, and I think they're all fine and good, but it's not special enough. Okay. And you guys are in Volkswagen land, so you know German cars already. So I thought if you have German cars already, you're kind of used to them, right? (laughs) You're conditioned. Brace yourself. (laughs) So I went looking. With approximately 15,000 U.S. dollars... I found a year 2000 BMW Z3M Roadster manual mm. for $11,777 in North Carolina. Oh, you're having him shop down here. Okay. All right. I, I use that for reference, sure. but I'm using it also to say, could you find one yeah, go in find, another province? Go find an equivalent. Yeah, got it, got it. You know, maybe you need to go to Toronto mm-hmm. or yeah. some you know, large city, something like that, Montreal. But I found another one in Cincinnati with... 77,000 miles, just over 13 grand. The point mm. is, these are under your budget, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they have 316 horsepower. As a matter of fact, starting in 2001, Adam, these cars had the E46 M3 engine, mm-hmm. which gives you 333 reasons to buy one. And super, super fun to drive, yeah. They're light. 
their sports car. You could get the clown shoe. You could do the M coupe thing. Uh, those are starting to go up in price, though. They, they are, might, but they might get be one now. Yeah, and maybe. I don't know. But that Roadster, because you said mm-hmm. you're probably going to be storing it for the winter. Yeah. This is fun only. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So put the top down or totally. leave it up yeah. when, you know, but just drive the car. And these are right in that cusp area of not being commuter cars the super high mileage ones are beat down i agree Mm -hmm. but they've Mm -hmm. been people's fun cars and will continue to be fun cars so they're kind of low-ish miles a a year 2000 with seventy-seven thousand miles on it yeah you're right this has just clearly been somebody's fun car for sure driven in the winter or i mean stored in the winter driven only in the summer just you know this is the fun car take it out whenever you could continue that tradition and find a good deal on one and again You've got leftover money. <laughs> <laughs> leftover money. What's funny is I actually had the BMW Z3, Z4 on my list. Did I you? didn't dig in as far as you did to specific models, but I just thought, you know what? There's a lot of car there for the money. And the reason I had him on there is because also for his money, early Boxsters and possibly even very early Caymans are possible as well. Oh, yeah, delicious. So all of yeah. that stuff can be on your budget. Uh, in your budget and should be on your list because the Z3, Z4, we don't talk about it a lot, but I think it is a, a really solid option here. And you're right. You get the, as far as the M version, you've got a good engine there as well. It's funny. The the more I see those Z3 M's, the, it's sort of like, ah, they're aging pretty well. They are. They're, yeah. they're kind of cool. They're squat and muscular and just kind of a unique choice mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and manual, five speed manual and tiny they power. Are little, They've yeah. got power. They're that's a James the Bond car. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, that that's the thing. That'll sell you. <laughs> I actually think that the 370Z is a solid choice, Adam. I think you'd enjoy that car. Uh, the the great thing about the Z car is how much value for money you get when you buy one used because they've been the same car for a decade. <laughs> they are the so, 40th anniversary car. And <laughs> the 50th anniversary car. It's the same car. If we wait around long enough and it's, Nissan doesn't do anything with it's itself. It's terrifying to think this way, but yeah. <laughs> So, but but I do think you get a 370Z. I, I say really shop that specifically, though. Find exactly the one you want. You might, this is how crazy it is, you might be able to find an early Nismo 370 because those have been around for a decade, too. Oh, gosh. I, and I, I will mean, admit, cool, but I can't believe they've been around that I long. will admit I did not shop Nismos for you. I did shop 370s. And you ha- there's options because they've been around for more than a decade. So find the one you want with the features you want because that's another one of those cars like Mustangs and things where you have the base version and the loaded version. And from like initial photo, you may not, may not be able to tell which is which. So be sure you get the mm-hmm. right version. So shop around for those if you want one. I only like the C5 Corvette if you can get a Z06. And you probably can. I agree. Well, yeah, yeah, you probably could. Because those are 18 to 20 U.S. Well, you're, he, he did acknowledge he was looking 25,000 Canadians. I know. So I know. So, save so I, think, I think you may be here. I, I don't think the C5 is worth it unless you go Z06. But the Z06, that is a hidden enthusiast bargain. It so is. so definitely shop and it's that. got genuine power. Yes, and in spite of the you know the bubbly interior buttons, not bubbly because it happened after the fact. No, they made them that way. So yeah, in spite the, of that, it actually is, is pretty good. Uh, the one that we drove for our American original Corvette film had an aftermarket seat, which also helped quite a bit aftermarket driver's seat. But it was incredibly fun to drive. So I, I would say Z06 if you go C5. But I do like the fact that you can discuss Boxster and Cayman or Z3, Z4. I think those are going to give you more rotational fun, handling fun, than shopping the lower Camaros or Mustangs, which are viable options here. But I think that since this is only fun, 
if you can get two seats, get two seats. I agree. Yes. And that those BMWs and the Boxster Caymans, those are just going to have a better dedicated sports car chassis feel even than the BMW. And I want to circle back here last. You said E92 335. Okay. But 335 IS is the only way I'd go there. Yeah, I agree. And, and I did play. actually, yeah. while we've been talking, I did actually look him up, and I found a half dozen or so uh, kind of near you, but let's let's be honest, I at least was shopping in Canada, uh, various things from the dual clutch to manual, all running between twenty and 25,000 Canadian. Really? So they're okay. up there. It's okay. pr- probably going to have to do some shopping around to find one for you. But I would say 335 IS is a good option, but I still think the Cayman Boxster Z3, Z4 – that's going to handle better. If you're just going for fun, just embrace the two-seat convertible. Agreed. Just yeah. go. Yeah, agreed. Well, guys, if you've got your own debate like Adam's, TV at gmail.com, your Topic Tuesdays, your car conclusions, most of all your car debates. And sometimes if you want to drop us a line, which I love it when you do because people find some car that mm-hmm. they think, oh, I thought of Todd or oh, I thought of Paul when I've <laughs> we do get you know, those. been They're searching. Awesome. So it's, it's hilarious and uh, we love it. So anyway, Adam, good luck with your search. Please let us know. Keep us posted. Look forward to hearing. Nick's writing in with a dilemma. On our last uh, our last car debate, we had the Minister of Finance. Mm-hmm. So we, what I like is that you've linked these based on wife's involvement. Kind of fun, very huh? good. Yeah, for sure. This case is not a case of uh, the Minister of Finance, but in this case, Nick's wife is upset because she's currently driving a Honda Fit, which to this point has been her favorite car she's ever owned. The lease is up next year. She was going to get another one. And based on the fact they won't be around, that's not going to happen. So now his wife is in a quandary of, so what do I do next? Yeah, the Honda Fits no longer, apparently due to sales, even though technically it's a race car. It's been on track. <laughs> Chances photographed it for the, the World Challenge events. I, I, I don't know why would these things happen. I just see the ad in my head. It's how my brain works. I see the crazy photo of it off camera, wheel in the air, doing yeah, the race car thing. The wheel but, the- it, but, it need, but it needs to be one that looks showroom fresh, not like livery, yeah. not caged. But it's just showroom <laughs> fresh. Caged Come, fit. Exactly. But hey, that, there's guys that have raced them. But it's yeah. coming up, you know, wheel kicked up and everything. And it says, Honda Fit, race car. Because that's just <laughs> not how that's been sold. Well, Nick, we're here to help because, first of all, Nick has suggested before she does anything, she needs to go test drive some things, and we mm-hmm. agree to that. Mm-hmm. His list includes the GTI, the Corolla hatch, the Mazda 3 hatch. Good. And in case you can't tell, she loves hatch. She loves the hatchy hatch Hey, let's go with Hatchy and Hanley. That sounds fantastic. She has expressed some interest in the Mercedes GLA, potentially a Volvo V60, but he hesitates to go down that road because... While she liked the X3 she drove previously, she did not like the costs and maintaining it, mm. just general oil change price. And he says their local BMW dealer service department was not a great experience for them. Mm. He said the local BMW dealers, also the Mercedes and the Volvo dealership. And wow. he says, I'd rather not go back there and get involved. And to be honest, on a side rant, that is frustrating for Todd and I to hear because it's mm. frustrating for anybody to hear totally, that yeah. you would be kept from some genuinely great choices because of the experience. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of ticks us off. Yeah. I, I'm yeah. frustrated to hear that because I want to recommend cars that I know you'll love, but there's the taint of, mm-hmm. you know, I, well, the dealer is not going to take yeah. care of me and I don't yeah, like yeah, that yeah. person there and they're, you know, and, and it transfers over to your car and you totally. don't like your car as much. Totally. Yeah. Whereas we drive cars, especially press cars without that experience. And so we can just You're love right. them or hate them. Mm-hmm. Based then, on what they are alone. Yeah, you're right. As a car, we don't have to worry about, oh, but you know what? This came from that dealer and that service right. department always breaks my car. You, we don't have any of that. Right. Yeah. So if you hear us 
a comment saying, well, we love it because of this or whatever. Yeah. It's, it's without that, you know, kind of that black cloud over our heads, you know, with the dealership thing. And I would love it if that changes. We want it, we want that to change, but it just kind of is dealer to dealer. Mm -hmm. So what Nick's wife wants is a hatchback or small wagon. That's decently good to drive. Okay. She's a bit of a lead foot says, (laughs) I like it. Good. I mean, who isn't right? Let's hope so. So he tends to shy away from anything too powerful for her and would like to focus on chassis dynamics. Okay, good, 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 good. She wants something that is decent on gas, reliable. He says absolutely a no-go on an SUV or CUV aside from the GLA because she feels, you know, sits a little lower to the ground that's most of the class. So she likes the hatchbacks, that kind of thing, that are either sedan or hatchback. I like this. Okay, that's good stuff. The headline is, she's not looking for a CUV. Yes, I know. This is fantastic. Well, we're looking for a hatchback that's fun to drive. I mean, let's have more of this. Mm -hmm. All right. So she'd love to stay in the $30,000 to $35,000 range. Okay. says, if that creeps up to 40, I understand. (laughs) Because you've listened to this podcast at least once, Nick. Well done. But what this is used for is your son and she to be the runabout, to Mm -hmm. go on errands, to do things together. Yeah, yeah. He's, you know, looking at a Miata, but that's a different conversation. This is her daily car. This is her Aaron's car. This is she and their son running around and doing stuff. I mean, they have a four-door Chevy Colorado that is the family duty car. When Mm -hmm. everybody has to go somewhere, they have to haul stuff. Obviously, the Colorado is what they take. So this doesn't have to do a lot of that, but it still is going to be usable because it is naturally a hatch and fun car for mom and son to run around in. I like this a lot. Yeah, this is interesting. That's what has really caught my eye, and that is your love for the fit, her love for the fit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I keep thinking every time, you know, it's like a boat. It's like the space utilization of a boat. It's All the cubbies and the space phenomenal. is amazing. You think, well, why doesn't every car manufacturer mm-hmm. do that flip up, lid down, whatever that is? That just yes. makes so much sense. It yes. just utilizes everything, the package, the layout. We get in the back seats and we're going – this is a small car, right? On yes. the outside, a small car because we're fine. I've always been shocked. I've mentioned it before. I've always been shocked by how well Honda does storage and ergonomics in something so small to the point that I feel like every manufacturer should pull one into the studio and just talk to their interior designers and go, explain. Yes. Let, let, let's, let's work toward this. Especially you know? when we do the, you know, put the front seat, the driver's seat yes. comfortable for us, and then we get in behind ourselves to really check, could we, mm-hmm. could we do it? And we're going, the headroom's good. The mm-hmm. knee room's fine. Yeah. This is a fit. <laughs> it it's, fits well. It is fit an amazing jokes. car. I agree. Moving on, yes. I like Mercedes GLA. I like the A220. I think you'd. I think she would really like an A220, to be honest. Yeah. Small okay. sedan. They're good. I'm just They're impressed good, by it. But because the fit rides a little bit higher, it's kind of like a hatchback, but it's kind of almost a CUV. Yes, with you. I thought of this wild card that has now morphed into my only choice for you. It is no longer the outlaw. Oh, okay. All right, good. It is the choice because you said this is the runabout All right. for you and your seven-year-old. And that is a Chevy Bolt. That's interesting. A Chevy Bolt. You can get it new. You can get it used. Mm-hmm. I'm saving money over here, people. I am fascinated Espe- that you went there. Especially because... The the fun the the excitement of looking forward to driving the fit and how nimble and fun and spry and it's just it's just a fun car to drive even though it's not powerful and you know not amazing looking there's just something special about it and I I get that I think that same feeling is translated to the Chevy Bolt 
Because and, it's electric powertrain and the way it zips around and stuff? Yeah, it yeah. just zips around yeah. and just fun, unique characteristics about the interior and the space utilization and just unique things, unique approach to it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the fact that it doesn't have the Tesla thing hanging over its head like, oh, you got an electric and, well, uh, you had to get it to Tesla and whatever. Yeah. It doesn't have that at all. Well, it's and just, you can get deals on them now, too. You can get smoking deals yeah. a year or two years. Here's what's crazy. Brilliant. It's one of those moments when you and I don't talk, and I'm amazed when things align. Okay. Because I'm going to give you some okay. usual suspects, but after I got through the usual, usual suspects, I did make wildcard notes. Did you? And my wildcard note came from one place, and that was, if this is just the commuter do errand runabout, yeah. and you, Nick, are thinking about shopping a Miata for traditional rear-wheel drive fun car, that you've already said you're looking at that mm-hmm, a little bit, mm-hmm. then I went, wait a minute. We could go electric and get the quirkiness to be fun. And I listed two, Chevy Bolt and used BMW i3. That's great. And I think, and I honestly, I like the Bolt for all the reasons you said. I think you should find a used BMW i3 because now you're rear-wheel drive. That's true. That's it, true. It has, it's not a luxurious car, but it does feel a class above the Bolt. We're and talking fifteen to twenty, and it's a and it's, and it's your runabout. Yeah, it is. Honestly, it's an overlooked car in this space, especially as a used buy. And the thing about electric cars is they are like phones. Two years later, they are worth nothing because the tech has moved on so far. Yeah. So yeah. Th- it's funny because those are my two wild cards: was the Chevy Bolt and the i3. And you come along and you just decided your wild card, the Bolt, became your only recommendation. That's. I just thought, why? Why is that such an outlier? Why is yeah. that such a non-choice? I think it's the only choice, and I do like the i3 a lot because that the styling, and there's also mm-hmm. some cool quirks and space utilization about yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. And that's what I love about car manufacturers applying different thinking than mm-hmm. just, okay, so we got to do a car, and this goes here, and that goes here because, well, I don't know why. It just does. This is how we always do it. They break yes. free from those mm-hmm. in the Bolt and the i3. They're good examples of that, and that's what the fit does, and that's why you like it so much. That's mm-hmm. the quirk, the fun, yeah, the unique. Yeah, yeah that you enjoy about that car. And that's carried on in, in both of these. I, I do acknowledge the I three. I just, I love the bolt because save money 18 to 20 will get you a barely used yeah. one. Yeah. With yeah, low yeah. Miles. And it'll also get you an unbelievably nice I three. Yeah. And that way you can take the family on a vacation later. You can plan your vacation. Oh, there you go. You're using, look at you splitting the money up. Or it could be used on a Miata. Yeah, or you could go ahead and use that money on a Miata. And we're back to sooner normal. Sooner than you thought, yes. suddenly. We're back to our normal broadcast. Thank yeah. you for joining us. I, I want to list a few uh, hatchbacks here that I think are options. Okay. Okay. You said you don't need four doors. I take that point. But you know what? The Civic Type R is awesome. Oh. You have money for a Civic Type R in this discussion. That is Civic Type R money. So I think that's a really worth. Now you're concerned about your wife having too much power. Define too much, okay? I don't because understand the, the thing. Term. Yeah, I know. I knew you'd be confused. But but the thing about the Civic Type R is it is a fantastic, phenomenal front wheel drive hatchback. Ooh. It does have four doors. I think she would enjoy driving. I think you would enjoy driving it. Now you didn't talk about manual versus auto here, so I'm just assuming that manual's okay. But oh, she doesn't really care. But, actually, but manual that, or auto. But that brings me to the other thought I had, which is two others that are in play right now. You told her to drive the Mazda three. I like that you did, but you know what's coming mm. is the Mazda three with the turbo engine. Yes, it is. Now, it, I, I will also say this. If you're worried about too much power, the current Mazda 3 is good. It's very good. But it is coming with a turbo and all-wheel drive. So that, you know, we are of the... It's going to be 320 
foot pounds of torque. It'll be like their that? standard yeah. thing of like roughly around 300, 300 is what it'll be. Great. It'll be the engine's everything, yes which is a that. lot of power in that car. Uh, but we are def- typically of the equation of more power is just better. So there is that, much. Ma- that uh, Mazda 3. So that's an option. But also, you want quirky. Mm. You want fun mm. in your budget manual or now coming with a dual clutch as well, the oh, Veloster N. Yeah. <laughs> your, your, your 7-year-old son has the quirky reality of the fact he can only get in on one side of the car because it's got three doors. See, that's not a detriment. That's cool. Oh, it's fine. It'll be great. Yeah, I think I, fully loaded Veloster N is thirty, just mm-hmm. under. And the other reason I bring it up is because be a more. because I think the actual answer for you is not sold in this country, not appearing in this film, not sold in this country. The updated Fiesta ST. It, well, yeah, but right, we yeah. have talked about the fact that we feel like in many ways the Veloster N has picked up the banner of the Fiesta ST in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So this is the through line for me. I feel like if look if it's the run run around car, it's the you know, sit in traffic car, get the dual clutch version. Cause actually Hyundai makes a pretty good dual clutch. Get the dual clutch version of the Veloster N. If that's too much power, step down to normal Veloster, but I say Veloster N and just enjoy the quirkiness. It's very usable. That is done. good. That is good. You could probably still accomplish smoky front wheel drive burnouts. Could you not? I'm sure you could. Well, but hang on. We have proven that you can do it in anything. So well, it's, it's about dedicating yourself to the task at hand. That's right. Just dedicate. Just grab a hold of something. Grit your teeth. We're going to get through this. <laughs> on to the absurdity that is your questions. By the way, I say that, but at the same time, the range of questions you guys ask on all the social media platforms is always awesome. This is, is the stuff that, that spirals yeah. us, and I mean this as a good thing, spirals us off into places we never imagined we'd go from the fun questions. So I really do like that. Andrew Miller says on Facebook, when we're driving with our eyes up and looking as far down the road as possible, which we highly do advise and you need to on the track, how do we make sure we don't hit the curb? Oh, yeah. Now, right. hang on. Let, let me let me clarify, Andrew, because this, this happens on mountain bikes, too. Okay? We, we do it on mountain bikes. Look at the rock. Well, hit the rock. Yes, exactly. But you want, it, you want to be looking down the trail so your body can anticipate, okay? But at the same time, if there's a specific rock, look at the specific rock and make sure you can navigate around said specific rock, okay? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is the thing with the curb. Yes, you want to be looking as far up as you can, but you don't ignore the curb. Look at reference points. You can look away and get get your bearings on where you are. And then it becomes right, right. that subconscious thing where this happens. Look, if you play sports, we're talking about baseball, basketball, whatever, where you, where you have your sighting certain things, you can be looking down the road. And once you get a reference point, your brain can process that reference point like the big pointy curb as it goes into your peripheral vision and passes you. The distance, course, your, bo- yeah, your body right. can process that distance. Right. So don't ignore the up-close stuff. If you want to, Bam! Exactly, yes. Is that a stump? Huh, I don't know. Well, we'll go back later. It doesn't matter. It's fine. Car's fine. That, that bump is normal. But, but, so, so reference it and then look back to where you need to be looking. There's nothing wrong with that. On Instagram, Avi Ram asks if we inflate our tires to manufacturer's recommended specs or do we have other recommendations? Yes and no. To start with in normal street driving, I'll say yes. I'll go with yes. On the Cayman, I'm just going, you know, that that is your benchmark to start. Mm-hmm. But once you do have your tires inflated to that spec, you have to feel what kind of driving you're doing. Mm-hmm. And is this comfortable to you? You don't want to underinflate very much. The only time you, we really underinflate is when we're at the track, things get really hot, and we'll drop them to 24, 22. Depends on the car. I, I dropped to 21, 20, 21 on the front of the Lotus. Did you? That, because once they get hot, they're back up to prime temps. Well, you can, prime, prime you pressure. can feel it 
mid track when things start to really heat up mm-hmm. and I've got that tire sensor readout on the Cayman. And yeah, so yeah. I've had as high as 38. I'm going, Oh, these things are rocks. I yeah. need to get some air out of them. That's yeah, crazy. But I had started at 22 or 24 or something like that. That's crazy. Yeah. But then of course, as things cool down you drive away from the track and you do more street driving, they only warm back up to 29. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And yeah. so then you're underinflated at that point. I need to get back up to 32, 33, somewhere in there. So you need to reinflate. But again, it comes down to a little bit of preference within a pound or two, mm-hmm. but you want to stick close to the manufacturer's recommendations. You want to, you want to be very, you know, in spitting distance. You can't be like, well, I'm right at max PSI of 44. No, you don't want to be way up They didn't there. pick a number with a dartboard. So they theoretically it, it was set up for that. Yeah. But again, that's your starting place and then mm-hmm. you can adjust it either way a pound or two if you're just more cruising and you want a little bit more compliance and you're doing a road trip i get it you want to you know soften things up a little bit if you're doing you know some canyon driving and it's a cooler day all right you need some more pressure so you always have to take into consideration the kind of driving you're doing you can't just leave them although i do admit on the salt flats we just drove our big sedans out there and didn't even look at our tire pressures and went top speed because that's what you do with big janky sedans, right? I had, I had looked at mine before we left. I just didn't check them again. Speaking of those big sedans, Hayden BRZ said on Instagram, how much would it cost to get the Phaeton and the Quattroporte back to fully operational? Now, now, I will say, look, Hayden, here's the thing. Yikes. I will say there's any used car. I don't care what it is, these stupid sedans or anything else. Any used car, as an owner, you have a level of tolerance. Do you want to have every little thing working, or are you okay with that little piece that doesn't work right? And you know what? It's fine. Mm-hmm. So I can't speak to that. But let me speak to the things that I know could be fixed right now on the on the Phaeton, which are actually very few. There's It needs a new head gasket. It's about 800 bucks, And it will probably continue to need things to stop it leaking coolant. Unfortunately, that is a moving target. That is the problem. The, the, uh-huh. Phaeton, the Phaeton about every month to six weeks is like a little kid that's hungry again. It's like, excuse me, I need something. Yeah, but you told me the fixed coolant thing was an engine out procedure, and it was at the center of the engine, and they had to take it out, and it was 18 hours of labor, and then... That's why I pour the stop uh, leak uh-huh. in there. And, then, and here's what happens. Here's what happens when I put the stop leak in, which is like 15, 20 bucks. Once I put that in there, it fixes that problem. It just springs a leak somewhere else. Right. So eventually, the entire coolant system is going to be the stop leak stuff, and that's when the engine will cease. Right. But for now, it's doing fine. But no, so so there's the thing. The, the oil leak is a head gasket issue. Uh, there is a delinquent uh, tire pressure monitoring system that I have had checked three times, and I've just decided to stop caring. It thinks your wheels have gone bad. And when it actually just says fault now. It, when it, before I got it replaced, a new one in there. It thought the wheel there was a wheel breakage, yes. But now it just thinks that the system's not working. So that would be a few hundred dollars probably. And then it would mostly run and keep tapping on your shoulder for stuff. There's nothing – I say this. There's nothing catastrophic pending. But then I'll go back to like the, the brain in the door, the circuit board in the door uh-huh. is slowly going bad. I lost my trunk button first. Now I've lost my fuel button. Do I want to dig into the door and fix that? And put in a new circuit board, or do I want to deal with it? <laughs> I.e., give it away. Well, but you know, th- so these are all the questions. So it's we're at that yeah. we're at that used breaking point where what's the stuff you want to tolerate? What's the stuff you want to fix? I, unlike you with the quattro, <laughs> I'm coming to you. Unlike the quattroporte, <laughs> I don't have anything hanging over this car's head that is thousands of dollars of catastrophe. But I know from having had it for a year, it just keeps tapping on my shoulder for something else little. 
I will say that your car fires right up. It just, you barely yeah, twist the key and yeah, the engine's on, mm-hmm. which is cool. It's a different experience over here in Maserati. Land. Yes, it is. Once I get the engine running and I've gritted my teeth. And <laughs> oh, I'm, good. That's running again. You know, the vein in my forehead isn't you know, <laughs> about to explode from fear. The car runs and it has started every time when it has power and the battery's not dead, but mm-hmm. it started every time. Mm-hmm. The problem is the battery's gone dead and jumping the car has screwed up the electrical system. And you've heard about what's happening currently because yes. it's not really to it. It might be just a anymore. general like fuse revamp. Let's just let's just go through and mm. see what's going on in said fuse box. Hi, what can we do today for you, sir? I need a fuse revamp. <laughs> Would you like that with an oil change? <laughs> The oil change is Hang really on hard on, sir. That, anyway, on that car, yeah. by the way. So yeah, all bad. I, again, I think the dual select transmission that it has, that early F1 janky, nasty transmission upon which future Ferrari transmissions were derived, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. been okay because I drive it in manual mode everywhere I go. Yeah, I yeah. don't use automatic because the brain is terrible. It has no idea what you're intending. It's so confused by being asked to drive. It's not like a manual. Yes. I mean, so like I an auto put mode. it in manual. And I lift up just gently. I, I lift up on the throttle as it changes gears, just like you would driving a manual transmission. Mm-hmm. You lift off the throttle, switch gears, <laughs> you let the clutch out, and you're back on the throttle. I kind of simulate that everywhere I go and in a deliberate intention to save that clutch back there so I don't have to pay for the repair bill. <laughs> so, passing it on to one of you. So You are welcome. Exactly. So that has been fine. And like I said, reliable Maserati. She started and she runs. And when it's at 80 miles an hour on the freeway, it hums, it purrs. It's great. The air conditioner that I've refilled it with Freon and, you know, actually R134, whatever. It's cold again. Yes. And the power windows mostly go up and down. And And the light keeps blinking in your eye at night. Yeah. My headlights are back. Well, my taillights are actually still gone. I'm not sure what. The only way we knew Paul was breaking as we drove back from the salt flats is the fact that your third brake light is apparently on a different fuse. Because the third brake light works, but the two down low don't work. The solve is to buy a car for day and a car for night. (laughs) One car has. I'm sorry. We're not in amazing. like track versus street driving. I have my in, I have my nighttime Maserati. Yes. This one, the lights are always on. Yes. That's really good. And this one, the lights don't work. So about six o'clock, seven you o'clock. Park that. What did you, you get out the other You want to be one? home and parked. Don't take it out further. Well, you remember the Lucas Electrics thing? Yeah. With the Jaguar E-Type. One of the many jokes because the E-Type and many other British cars of that era had a, a company called Lucas Electrics. And there are, I'm telling you, I don't even know them all. There are so many jokes about how bad Lucas Electrics were and how bad these car were, <laughs> cars were. And my all-time favorite is still Lucas Electrics. Get home before dark. Exactly. <laughs> Gentlemen, don't drive after dark. You Why just would we park do that? the car. That is terribly funny. Nardo1114 says his friends are telling him not to buy any five-plus years used German cars. Okay. All right. Are they right or wrong? Mm, okay. All right. Well, as of this recording, it's 2020. I have a 2015 Cayman. It's five years old German car. It's a fair point, yeah. It's, yeah, it's yeah, fine. Yeah. It feels pretty new to me. I have a 2020 Porsche Cayenne. 20. Oh, 2010 Porsche Cayenne. It's 2020. It's a 10-year-old car. Yeah, Yeah, you got a 10-year-old German car. With 130,000 miles on it. Yeah, yeah. we consistently recommend the Golf R's, the Mark VI Golf R's Mm -hmm. from 2012, 2013, or 987 Caymans and Boxsters. And, well, Phaetons aren't on the list. But still, we've recommended enough M235i's on the podcast 
to justify, I, I don't think five years by any means, I think 10-year-old cars nowadays are sort of like, uh, okay, 10 years, fine. The the tech, you know, Bluetooth and Android and CarPlay, and that might not be there, but okay, the cars usually are fine. I would look at uh, Chase Consumer Reports and other reliability reports, and I would say this. You cannot put it under a banner of German cars in general. Look no, at you the can't. company you're looking at and the car you're looking at because some of them, I'll tell you, I'd be scared. And others, honestly, the Porsches we've had, the the Cayman, Boxster, the Cayenne, these kind of things, those seem to do really, really well with consistent maintenance. I know people with old 911s, they put a little bit of money and they just keep running. Yes, okay? yes. I know people that have blown up Panameras. So, I mean, True. you know, yes. but at the same time, and other people with Panameras have been really good. So you need to look into what car you're looking at because just the German banner, the problem is BMW had problems with electrics for a while. Mercedes had problems with all kinds of things when they were putting major tech on their cars in the early 2000s. By the way, same era as my Phaeton. So uh, the early oh. 2000s Maseratis that had tons of, I mean, pardon me, early 2000s Mercedes that had tons of tech in them had tons of gremlins. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, but Range Rover, not German at all, and blows them all out for reliability problems. So, I mean, it, it, mm-hmm. you need to look at the specific car. Yes, higher mileage is a concern, but also how is the car treated? I am much more concerned about maintenance and consistent problems, which you can typically see on a Carfax, than I am mileage and make. It's mm, good. Turbo tofu, which is a food I don't want to think about eating, says there's a talk of accurate. It goes right through you. My <laughs> sorry, the jokes are providing <laughs> oh, themselves. themselves. I, I'll, I'll stop. There's talk of an Acura, Acura introducing a new sport compact to their lineup. What our, or what are our predictions? A brand new sports car or reintroduction of the beloved Integra or RSX nameplate? Yeah, we're excited to see the Type S variants of all their models, and we feel that Acura has so many things they could lean on. But I feel like they're hamstrung from a culture perspective, just company culture. I mean, mm-hmm. just. You know, well, we just have to take slow steps. We want drop the bomb on us, drop something amazing and cool. And, you know, Acuras are great. Every time we've driven the RDX and the MDX, we're going, Mm -hmm. why don't more people buy this? This is excellent. If you're shopping for one of these in this category, the price is great. Fantastic. We're really excited about the new TLX coming. Type S or not, I think Mm -hmm. they're, Mm -hmm. they're starting to realize that they have enough resources and tech from that they could utilize from Honda, but just you yeah, know, yeah, they they could really do some cool things, and and uh, we're we're excited for that. So my prediction, I it's hard to say. Sport compact, I don't know that that would sell. Yeah, it's, it's they're a going tough after question. things that sell, and things that sell are CUVs and SUVs. Yeah, that's true. Aunt Burrell, I actually can build on that. He's got a question. He says his wife has a 2006 Pontiac Grand Prix, which he then proceeds to apologize for for roughly a, pa- a paragraph because it was a hand me down. <laughs> but she's interested in getting now an SUV because, of course, she is, and she's looking at the CX-5 and the Rav4 Hybrid. And he's just curious, is there anything in a more fun-to-drive segment than that? And that made him start thinking about what about a turbo – Subaru Outback XT, don't get that. It's bigger yeah, than you think, that. and it has a CVT. It is not an enthusiast buy. I actually think the CX-5 is a good one here because it has a real transmission and a turbo engine. Mm. It's a really nice place to be. It's a good a CUV. You'd like that. You'd like the actual transmission. So I think that's a good one. The one you're forgetting, you just mentioned, Paul, mm. get it used, and it's awesome. The Acura RDX. Yeah. With totally. the super handling all-wheel drive. It honestly, it honestly, it's 
75% of a Porsche Macan, maybe 80% of a Porsche Macan for like half the money. It's a Acura RDX. Good. Get one of those. Yeah. All right. Another tire question on Instagram from K. Benaglio says, after you burn through the stock AS on the Scat Pack Challenger. <laughs> <laughs> because that's just a box you check. You buy the car, you burn through those tires. Done. It's like week one. Mm-hmm. He's looking to get a dedicated summer and winter setup. So how do you deal with the fall and spring months where it's freezing in the morning and warms up in the afternoon? Mm. Do you switch to your winter tires very early on on the calendar and chew through them far more quickly? Or do you suffer the white knuckle drive on summers in the cold? Well, it sounds like you drive your car year round Mm -hmm. and you're open to or already own winters, Mm -hmm. which is good. We've been told 45 degrees is the magic number, 45 degrees Fahrenheit Yeah, yeah. by our tire shop that we use for a lot of stuff, not just tires, but maintenance on our own cars. Mm-hmm. And so we've been told that 45 is kind of the magic mark. You don't want to drive consistently above 45 degrees on those winter tires. You're going to yeah. just, as you said, chew through them. But anything under that, you're probably okay. Well, and It I- just depends on the calendar and the kind of – it's really a weather watching kind of exercise. Yeah. I would rather honestly of those options, having done both of the equations, I've driven Michelin performance tires at 25 degrees and hated myself on the hockey pucks. Mm -hmm. And I've driven winter tires at 65 Mm -hmm. of those two options. I would take the winter tires at 65. I would just because yeah, you're burning through them faster. But uh, the other, the other part of the equation is genuinely scary. And I also wonder how much snow are you getting? If, are you getting it snow? It might be more just with cold rather than snow. If it's just snow. cold, you might get by with a with an all you know all weather tire, which is kind of the heavier duty all season. Yeah, you know that that can do snow a little better, and all, you might be able to get by with that as your winter tire if you're not getting a lot of actual winter weather. You're just getting cold, but you don't specify. I would prefer you had a winter tire and a summer tire, but you're right; those shoulder seasons are difficult. They're difficult. I've- had great luck with the Michelin Defenders on the expedition. They've done well all the way through November. Mm-hmm. So something similar to that in that vein, mm. uh, you know, especially if they're siped from the factory and, you know, you got a little bit more tread squish to be able to combat that. Tread so. squish. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, tread squish. Anyway, Charlie KNYC says, in our experience, what about the active park systems and the 360-degree surround view cameras that you're starting to see a lot now? The ones that are really cool where they actually stitch together all of the cameras on all the mm-hmm. sides of the car. Mm-hmm. They put a little graphic in the middle, and you can see the edges of the car next to you or the, the shopping cart you're dodging, that kind of stuff. You've said – is it worth stretching budget to get those options, especially for older, younger, or nervous drivers? I honestly think, Charlie, these systems are phenomenal. I think they're great. Mm. If this is a system that the person driving the car would benefit from, I think it is absolutely worth stretching to get it. I find, obviously, doing what we do. We're not scared of driving. We'll drive in any situation. Give me any weather. I don't care. I'm perfectly happy with it. But I will still tell you when we have press cars that have got that overhead view, 360 thing, anytime I have to park those cars in a parking lot, I love that system. It is handy. It's phenomenal. And I just think if you're a person that is spooked about the distances on your car at all, what a godsend. Indeed. The stovepipe on Instagram says, can we think of any relatively simple mechanically and or electrically cars that are an aspiring wrench can pick up mildly broken down for cheap and fix into something pretty cool. I can. It's a C4 Corvette. It's a Chevy. Mm, look at you. 
our experience with a privately owned C4 that we drove for our $10,000 mm-hmm. sports car mm-hmm. challenge that was a TV episode yep. actually bought his C4 for $5,000. I think the dealer had lost the key, or the owner had the owner some issue there that brought the price down a little bit Big more time. than usual. Yes, for sure. The but o- still, I, re- I remember this. This was crazy. The guy had the owner had a problem with his dashboard. He took it back for the dashboard actual instrument cluster to be replaced. Right. But the problem was that that instrument cluster was coded to the key, so now his key didn't work. That's right. That's what he it was. didn't have the ability to figure out what the problem was, so he sold it on the cheap. This guy, who happens to be a mechanic for a living, kind of rooted out the problem, got the key recoded, fired right up. I, yeah. I mean, this guy is a mechanic. He works yes. on all the snow machines and yes, the, the yes, yes. groomers, the mm-hmm. large groomers for the ski resorts. So he fixes those. So he's already mechanically inclined. But hey, you could you could do the same thing. Find the, hey, I've got this problem and I don't want to mm-hmm. dig into it and mm-hmm. too much money at the yep, dealer and they yep, want yep. too much money. That could be the perfect entry into the project car land. Especially that it's a Chevy. Yeah. I think older stuff is your easier way in. But the problem is, I know this problem maybe is too strong, but then at the end of you solving it, you do have an older car. You're okay with that. The newer you get, the more you have to decode it, if you will. Sure. But if there's any budget leeway for picking things up on the cheap and being able to do these minor repairs that add one or two or three thousand dollars that he can resell. It's kind of interesting. Fair point. Shane has a question. I feel like we we bump against this question often because we all struggle with when do I change cars and why. Yeah, Okay. So he says he knows it's time for a change, but you keep spinning your wheels back and forth on what comes next and at what point are you just driving everybody nuts and you can't make a decision. How do you get past this? He says he's asking for a friend. Well, my friend, I have answers for you here, and that is stop making your next car purchase a be-all, end-all. If it lasts six months, it lasts six months. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The problem that that we all face, honestly, is the fact that because cars are expensive purchases, they are short for most people only to houses. The second most expensive thing you'll probably buy is probably your car after your house. Yeah, we put yeah. house kind of thinking on them very easily. I have to have this for this number of years. I have to do, do you? Do you? So, Shane, I know that you feel like you're ready to move on, but I think you're giving yourself paralysis because you want the thing you move into to be the perfect thing. I'm, I got exactly the right car. What if you don't? Then yeah, you get yeah, rid of true. it in six months. Okay. That's okay. That, that's the big thing. Free yourself from it has to be a long-term thing. Make a decision. Try it. If you don't like it or if that has a shelf life where you're just like, I loved this, but I've outgrown this too. We're changing as drivers. We're changing as people. You have kids. Your needs change. Move on. Den16SB says that when we refer to a car costing you a, a monthly payment for a new car and repairs, how much does that amount to? Is that $200 a month? Is that $500 a month? Shouldn't there be a month that goes by when your car doesn't cost you anything except for insurance and gas? Hopefully. Shouldn't there you, – you've that, got regularly <laughs> scheduled maintenance done or you've done a little bit of you know pre-maintenance with anticipation yeah, that yeah. you've got that done. Shouldn't there be a month or two in there when it doesn't cost you to anything? You just get lucky. I get to, I get to drive this month. That'd be what, good. I mean fuel, insurance, the end. Done. It should yeah. be yeah, yeah, okay yeah. for a while. But you're right. It, it shouldn't be – as much as $500 a month. Oh, gosh, no. Even think of $200 a month, your car sucking you dry mm-hmm. for that much on top of your regularly, you know, your regular yeah, yeah. costs for it. Yeah. The payment, the gas, all that stuff. But, hmm, that, that starts to 
be a little concerning. 200 250 yeah. somewhere in there. If it's $100 here and there because you're improving things and that yeah. will you know, eventually make – once those things are fixed, they're fine. Mm-hmm. Okay, a latch here. Uh, you hit a major service interval and you spend a number with a comma in it. That's life. Any car you have course. is going to have that. Of course. You, know, you, can't, you can't judge it on that. But if it's the Phaeton where every month it taps on my shoulder and goes, I need a few hundred dollars, please, makes me go, you know what? It'll be okay when that goes. Granted, it was a $5,000 car. But if you're actually actually asking how to work this equation, I think you almost can reverse engineer it, and that is this. Let's say your car is costing you $250 a month to keep it running, over and above gas insurance, right. 250 bucks a month. Are you interested in getting rid of that car? And if so, at 250 bucks a month, what is your budget work out yeah. to be and what could you get for that money? I mean, could I you know get it anything, depends on how much you love your car totally, and all that stuff. But could you get anything for the amount you're regularly spending that intrigues you? And the step beyond that, what do you think that thing you might be able to buy will also need? Because it's yeah, the, 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 you have to plan well, yeah. for the big intervals. That's the thing with the Cayenne that we've learned is that between intervals, it doesn't need much. But the intervals are costly. They hurt. I know. So yeah. there you go. Yeah, I think anything under a hundred bucks is not terrible, but yeah, that's the threshold yeah. for me. Anything between one hundred and three hundred is sort of like let's look around for a what's, different car. What's happening? Yeah, fair point. Or do that major fix and move on, get it done once. But if it's just a trickle, yeah, let's, <laughs> let's shop around like you already are. I mean, I know you're already looking, oh, look. but now. Make good on that thing. You the Phaeton is at. tapping on my shoulder again. J.G. Whitaker 2 says, uh, is there a car that we can think of that people are surprised to find is not as expensive as it seems to be? He brings up the fact that my Lotus seems like a lot more expensive. But I'll tell you one, that a brand that I think falls into this. I think the general public sees a Porsche badge and it assumes it's near a $100,000 car. I don't care what year it was. I don't care what model it is. You see a Porsche badge and you just assume that person's really rich. And you could literally be a college kid with a $15,000 budget and buy yourself a Boxster. Yeah, yeah. So I think that that brand is – because nobody's buying $15,000 Ferraris. It's not happening, okay? Not that are running, okay? But, but you can see <laughs> a – piece a, of a Ferrari. Seriously, you could see a kid pull up to a light – in a $15,000 Boxster, and most people are going to go, oh, rich kid. And he might be a kid that mowed lawns and spent twelve grand. Sure. Yeah, true. Very true. Guys, thank you so much for all your questions. Really appreciate it. We're definitely looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.